The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I find that just that one little trick goes a long way, especially with those amped up high drive dogs that maybe as soon as you get up right next to them, they want to start cheating and going with you or get to the bird before you. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? You train your dog, but now it's time to train yourself. Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another week of GDIY. Adam, how you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Glad to be here in the new recording studio down here at the Swamp House. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little empty right now, so it might be a little echoey on this podcast. But uh, you know, things are coming along, unpacking, so it'll get better as the weeks go on. I hadn't been up here since you unpacked, so it's kind of nice that uh, you already got the grouse fans on the shelves. <laughs> you got some deer antlers sitting around. Yeah, we just got to bring some more foam in here, and it'll be a legit recording studio. Hey, we're working on it, man. Working on it. It'll get there. So, uh, we're going to try and keep the energy level up here. We've been having a little bit of a busy day today. Yeah, getting we've been working all day and in the heat, getting that dog run going, and then after that, it was nice to be able to just walk out in the pasture do a couple duck drags take the dogs out they got some conditioning running and then uh, a little bit of swimming and pretty much exactly why i moved here (laughs) yeah it's everything you've been working for man you got it now we got to put in a few hours getting your fence uh done and then like you said got to run the dogs together and 
surprisingly, it's like relaxing after working hard to go out and walk through the <laughs> through the fields and the woods with the dogs. Yep. It's nice. So it's going to be a little different. I'm going to try not to uh, just sit here and talk about like the property and all the fun I get to have on a regular basis here. I got to keep it uh, somewhat average, average do it yourself or, you know, suburban lifestyle still. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty excited and stoked about this place. Yeah, so for far. sure. You've got every reason to be, man. Yeah. So uh, you want to tell everybody what we're talking about this week? Yeah, we're going to talk about the... Uh you know, how to plant birds, the different details of why you want to plant them differently and, and what we're talking about when we say planting a bird really light or planting it hard, everything bird planting. Yeah. And so obviously hunting season's right, right around the corner for most people. And so maybe it's not exactly the best time of year to be talking about planting, training birds and everything, but some people are still getting ready for tests and everything, and uh, it's always good information. But we we do get asked quite a bit, you know, what what we consider when we're planting birds and how we plant them and so on and so forth. So uh, we figured it'd just be a fun little episode to sit down and actually walk everybody through our mindset and how we do it. And, uh, but just like everything else, there's a million ways of doing all of this. So, uh, you know, we're going to keep that in mind, but first, before we get to that, we kind of failed everybody last week. Did you realize that? No. How did we fail everyone? We didn't even do a life advice with Adam last week. Oh man. I was just glad we skipped that part. <laughs> <laughs> we got done. I'm like, man, we gypped everybody. That's what they come here for is, is advice from you. Living, no, living that Adam life. <laughs> that's, that's not why anyone <laughs> listens to this. Well, I do have one for you. It's it's what you love, man. The family questions. <laughs> uh, Plenty of family questions. Yep. So Sean, I can't remember what state he's out of. It's either Illinois or Missouri or something. He asked that they've got a baby on the way. Okay. And his dog will be turning two at the same time that the baby's expected. So can you give him some life advice on how to transition the to from the dog to the baby life? And also, what do you think about having the dog's crate and the baby crib in the same room? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, it, like if my if one of my brothers listened to this podcast and they heard dog crate and baby crib in the same room, they would laugh. <laughs> they would laugh us out of this room. But because we love dogs... And this is gun dog it yourself. Yep. I can kind of entertain the idea of having the crate <laughs> in the same room as the baby. Uh, logistically, it might make it a little easier. You know, when the yep. dog needs to get up and go out and then the baby needs diaper changed and <laughs> bed and all that stuff. Uh, maybe it's a little bit easier, but I don't know. It could make it harder because every time your your baby gets up to eat and poop then your dog is going to start developing the routine of like oh i can go up and take a poop now too so um yeah it all revolves around poop i guess yeah yeah well <laughs> now it's it's whatever routine you want to develop but you know similar question a couple of weeks ago and and i think the answer was it's it's really all about routine ironically for dogs and kids routine is pretty important in my opinion yeah. i'm writing all this down because that's right because I'm in a similar boat, but he yeah. Did. So I'm wondering, like, are these really your questions? And you're just like, oh well, there is the email. 
All right, there it is. Yeah, you're showing me. I got you. I just yep. thought you were sliming your way through this. No, like, I'm going to ask questions and just say it's from Bill in Tulsa. This was the question that I had queued up for last week before, like my right. even came out. But fair uh, enough. Yeah, you know he did. He did even say his wife is not keen on the idea of the. Then here's the your trip. answer, buddy. Don't do it. Don't do it. Put the dog somewhere <laughs> else. I, I was getting ready to say, you know, it depends on what your what your wife wants, and. Our wives tolerate this dog business enough that if she doesn't want to entertain the idea of the dog being in the same room as the baby, and I and I laugh, but I could go down that same path too. Like, well, it'll just be easier logistically. But dude, just put the dog in a different room. The dog's gonna adapt to it way better. But I'll tell you, if you want, uh, if you want your baby to get used to sleeping in a room by itself, then transition that baby to its own room pretty quick too it makes it easy when you got to get up and change diapers and jackie's gonna listen to this and say you never changed any diapers in the middle of the night i changed at least two or three diapers with our kids in the middle of the night at least two or three but so living that happy wife happy life lifestyle there jackie was she was the champ with getting up and doing Knocking diaper changes out. and feeding and all that stuff and yeah She'll tell you. I mean, I would get up and try to help, and she'd be like, well, last time I checked, you don't produce any milk, so you can go back to sleep. <laughs> There's some things that you just aren't capable of doing. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I just say, okay, I'm going back to sleep. Yep. Are you sure? <laughs> well, I hope this helped uh, Sean out. You know, I'm, I'm going to start taking notes on this as well, especially yep. on the family questions. Dog but, goes to another room, Sean. Yep, so we'll get to the episode here in a second. We do need to... Uh, Put a disclaimer out with our uh, sponsor, Old Conkeys, real quick. So you guys have been blowing them up, been doing awesome, checking them out and ordering stuff through them to the point to where uh, they got a little phone call. And we need to... From some of their people saying, (laughs) you can't do... You know, there's a minimum retail price. You agreed to this. So... It's a 5% discount on most of the items. If you're not a Patreon... Patron. Yeah, if you're a Patreon patron, you get, get a little bit more. You get even more. So what's funny is I was talking to John, and I'm like, hey, how are the discount codes working out? And he's like, oh, great, man. We've had a lot of hits on them. I'm like, cool. Are a lot of people using you know the 10% discount? He's like, no. I mean, if, if they'd have just given you guys a dollar, they could have got. So, dude, the freeloaders are using the code, but the patrons aren't. Yeah. I mean, huh? that's fine. It's just mathematically. Yeah. I'm not going to do math in public, but. <laughs> If you're spending like a hundred dollars, yep, you can give us a dollar and save ten. It would take ten months for you to, you know, break even. Break even. Yeah. I guess we just did math in public. That's all right. There you but go. I'm telling you, man, give us a buck and you get the ten percent thing, and and it, but, and it but, just helps. Every, it helps us. It helps, it helps Conkeys. Yep. And it helps you. It'll like, it'll everybody help, wins. It'll help you out when we do the Gunner giveaway here soon. When we hit that hundred patron mark, but yep. uh, back to the disclaimer. So. With some of their suppliers, uh, the discount code is going to work towards almost everything on the site. There's going to be a few items uh, that that discount code is not going to work as well, especially the bigger discount code. So if you if you d- use the code and you don't see the discount, just know that there there is that chance. Some of their suppliers are uh, catching wind. Apparently, you guys been blowing them up. So I, you know, hey, it made us feel good that you're actually using them. Yep. But yeah, it was, it was rewarding that he said, yeah, man, they've been tearing it up. So, And just because of that, hear. though, 
they're looking at bringing in a bunch more bird dog stuff. So we're going to let you guys know when they yep. bring that in. And we want you to keep it up and knock them out of stock on everything that they bring in. We're talking to them. So there's going to be more bird dog uh, training equipment available so be sure to uh, listen and check them out and as soon as they say that hey we have this inventory we want you guys to knock them out of that inventory real quick yeah i've been working with john and Corey uh past couple weeks they're getting some more inventory in john's working on getting a page up there that's just for gun dogs and bird dogs and going to start out with a few things and if it does well we're going to start getting more and more so yeah. um yeah, just order away on that thing. And if you're not going to get the discount, John's going to tell you ahead of time. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be a thing of, you know, type in your credit card info and then you find out you don't get the discount code. Order away. And, like, by default, he's going to call you and say, I can't. Well, he may not call you, but you'll <laughs> you'll figure out one way or the other before yep. you place your order if you got the discount. So there you go. Keep checking out Conkeys. Keep blowing them up. We like hearing about it. They, uh, they're they excited to have so much traffic coming, coming to them through us. And uh, we appreciate you all listening to us and supporting our sponsors because it definitely helps us out. And, uh, yeah, with anything else, normal stuff, follow us Instagram, Facebook, Gundog It Yourself and uh rating and review anything else just make sure you hit those five stars on the rating and review (laughs) (laughs) yep that's it enjoy Uh, the episode enjoy there's always something to debate or argue in the dog world but there's this one thing that's not up for debate all hunters and dog hunters know you need the right gear not just for yourself but for your dogs as well conkey's outdoors hound and hunting supply is your number one source for all things hound related Conkeys is owned and operated by true houndsmen themselves. They've got you covered no matter the game you're chasing, from hog hunting, bear hunting, and even gator hunting. Bird dog guys don't feel left out either. They have whatever you need, whether it's training collars, tracking collars, boots, chaps, vests, coats, and more. No matter what you and your dog needs to have a successful hunt, check out conkeysoutdoors.com and they'll get you on the right track. Purchases over $100 gets you free shipping and enter GDIY5 to save 5%. And if you're a Patreon patron, you get to save even more money. So be sure to check out Conkey's Outdoors. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions, also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you could need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So, if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, Adam. We're here to talk about planting birds and flushing birds. Let's do it, buddy. Yep. So, obviously, I use that word too much, obviously. Must be obvious, then. (laughs) Go ahead and say it. We'll see if it's obvious. (laughs) Well, when when you're taking your dog out training and you're trying to put birds down, you know, you need to kind of, there's a few considerations and, and things that you need to take in mind when you're planting birds. And then uh, uh, on the trail end of it, 
there's there's some thought that needs to be given towards how you flush the bird that you might find people that put the thought into how they plant the birds but not so much on how they flush the bird so we get asked all the time how do i know when to plant it this way how do i know when to plant it that way um and then you know how what's the right way to flush it right and so let's break it down for everybody yeah let's break it down and and just like uh with dog training or anything else in life i don't care what it is but especially with planting a bird or training a dog anyone you talk to is going to have a different way of doing it so we'll cover as many as we can think of absolutely so we've seen it done a, a lot of ways but i think first we need to start with some of the terminology and what Describe to everybody what it meant when somebody says, hey, will you plant my birds for me? Yeah, sure, I'll plant the birds. Will you plant them light? And conversely, plant them hard. Yep. And for so I'm going to take another step back, Nick, for for people that are just getting into this and just dipping their toe in the water Mm -hmm. and planting birds. We're taking pen-raised birds. We are dizzying them, putting them to sleep, disorienting them, however you want to say it. So that we can put them out in the field and then use them to train our dogs. So, and you kind of touched on that ahead of time, but, um, if you're going to plant the bird light, it is put it down in a way that when I come up to flush it, I'm not having to wake the bird up, tap it on the head and be like, all right, bird, wake (laughs) up. It's time to fly. Now I want like the slightest thing to scare the bird and make it fly away. As close to a wild bird as we can possibly get. Yeah, and we're never going to get there with pen-raised birds. We can do things to replicate. I know we're going to get into using launchers and stuff like that, but um, just planting the bird as light as possible so that me walking close to it makes it get up and fly away, ideally. Or the dog getting too close. Hopefully yep. it flies off. Flies off and exactly. It, and you get a good busting scenario and stop to flush opportunity. So what's it mean by planting planting the bird hard just the opposite i want the bird if i want it planted hard i want it down hard enough or i'm using the word in the definition (laughs) (laughs) i want it planted so that it's not gonna move so an example would be there's gonna be a long period of time in me planting the bird and me getting my dog and bring it back out here so i'm i might want to put it down to where it's gonna be asleep or dizzied for a longer period of time yep And then because of that, it's probably going to be harder to flush. So when I go up, the dog locates it, and I go in to flush the bird, or for the sake of a flushing dog, if the dog goes in to flush the bird, it's not going to fly away as easy. I'm going to have to do more kicking and swatting at the grass and everything (laughs) else and encouraging the the bird to get up and fly. Yeah. And so we just touched on the pros with planting birds light. Um, obviously it simulates a wild bird the best way that we can. There's no launchers. There's no kick traps. There's, you're not kicking and searching. Usually, uh, every now and then if you plant a bird light, if the cover's heavy, they can burrow. And so you end up kind of kicking around and looking for it some more, but that's obviously the, the main pro with planting it light. You, you sim the whole point of training with birds is you want to simulate wild birds the best way you can. And so planting it as light as possible while also keeping it in the field so you can train on it. That's, that's the goal with that. It ties into you'll, you'll read one sentence in a book or sees one thing on a YouTube video of someone saying, do not ever let your dog catch a bird. And we've touched on that about 
a pointing dog catching a bird is not a bad thing, especially a puppy. for yeah. right, especially for a young dog catching the bird. And if your older dog does it, you know, occasionally it, it's not a tragedy. Your dog's not ruined. But I, with where I'm at with my dog and where you're at with your dogs, we plant the birds very lightly so that when the dog gets too close, even we hope that the bird will fly away and then we're not spending as much yep. time kicking around, you know, trying to make a dizzy bird fly. You hear the saying all the time, let the bird teach the dog. That's right. And so obviously if, if you put, and there's that word again, obviously, if you put a bird down too hard to where it's still on its back, head tucked under its wing, then it's down too hard. And the odds are of the dog getting too close is greater because the bird's not, it's not kicking. It's, it's not going to fly off on its own right. if it's down too hard. And so honestly, I, I've kind of gotten to the point now where, where I'm at, I'm having trouble finding good training situations to where really planning the bird hard is really called for. Unless like you said, you're planning what, the bird with the intention of you need it to stay there for a long while. Maybe it's a while before you can get back to your dog and get them ready. But if there's not like a time situation there that you need to account for, is there a training scenario in your mind that calls for possibly needing a bird put fully to sleep and playing it hard? The only thing is with a puppy for its initial bird introduction, but I'm not really planting the bird then. I'm actually going to pull the primary flight feathers on one wing or, or trim them, uh, probably just going to pull them, so that the bird cannot fly away, so that the dog can catch the bird, dominate the bird, and get its first lesson at how wonderful this thing is. Two things I think that are important for that initial introduction. Number one, I never, be, I never need to be scared of a bird. That's yeah. what the dog needs to learn. Number two, wow, this is amazing. I want this bird. And I know that pointing is genetic, but I believe that the dog catching and seeing what the prize is at the end makes it more intense. The next time it it points one is like, ooh, I know how good this is. Mm -hmm. And it might make them point a little more intense. I'm not sure, but that's my theory for now anyways. Eh. So, but planning a bird hard, other than the time thing of, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and plant birds now and then go eat lunch or something, <laughs> you know. But I plant them sometimes. Uh, if if I know we're going to encounter birds in a certain order, by the way the the field is set up, I might plant the first bird very light the second bird a little heavier and then the third bird even heavier and the next bird really heavy so that those birds stay in place. And as we get to them, they're kind of waking up. I mean, you're really getting to like the art of bird planning at that point. (laughs) And it's, you know, I've, I've never encountered a time where I'm like, Oh, good thing. I planted that fourth bird really hard because it's still here. I mean, they generally don't want to fly away anyways. They just kind of tuck into the grass and, and want to stay there. So Yeah. Well, let's get into the actual how we plant them because 
me and you, you just said it. We both prefer planting the birds as light as possible. You know, well, Nick, I like to tuck their head under their wing, pull their feet three times, put them in a pillowcase, <laughs> spin them around my head seven times, horizontal to the ground, of course. While holding then, one foot in the air. Yep. And, yep. And then you shake it back and forth like a soda can and then throw it really hard into the trees. Yep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've seen a, a ton of people, and I, I tell everybody, I think that planting birds, a lot of people overthink it. They, they really do. Because when I walk people out and I show them how to, quote, unquote, plant the bird, they they come away like, is that really all you do? Yes, that's a, really all I do. Simple. It's it's not that difficult. But you'll see some elaborate recipes, and yeah. that's why I kind of brought it up. Yeah. Um, the pillowcase is probably the most common one to where I've seen it a number of times. Somebody actually carries a pillowcase out there with, with them in the field. They put the bird in the pillowcase, and they twirl it around in a circle. Well, let's be clear. It's not the most common planning method. It's yeah. the most common, like, misconception. Yes. Yeah. And then they'll reach in there, grab the bird. <laughs> tuck the head under the wing and then continue to circle spinning. Yep. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it takes three, four or five minutes to plant that one bird. And, and it, it does plant the bird, yeah, but then it. you come up to flush the bird and it won't fly. And you're like, man, these pin race birds are horrible. They won't fly. It's like, well, you just spun it around yeah. in a pillowcase for three minutes. So, you know, does it work? Yes. It works. You can plant a bird that way. It works for planting. Yes. But the other end of this conversation is flushing. flushing. Yeah. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. You know, again, there's a million different ways to do this, but yep. that is that is one way to where it's maybe maybe you're overdoing it, and I don't necessarily want to carry a pillowcase with me everywhere. And here's an example. As we're talking about it, Nick, I'm I'm kind of trying to think of a reason I'd want to plant something heavy. Let's say you're guiding at a preserve because mm-hmm. you and I have both done that a little bit as a way to get. Uh, bird contacts and man that's a whole separate conversation it can become problematic because people are paying for to shoot birds so if there's a situation where like don't shoot this bird my dog didn't do no one wants to hear that right so hey don't belittle it man you're (laughs) a guide so you know everything (laughs) well that's what a lot of people think too um but yeah if you're working at a preserve you know if you're getting your dog some bird contacts that way you might want to plant them a little heavier so that like two hours later when you yeah. go to hunt that bird, it's After there. That's safety briefing and everything. That's right. But it's still the same reason what we were given, just a, a, an extended It's still a time-based time. thing. Yeah. Yep. So getting back to we're planting the birds light. I mean, you both have a different kind of way of planting them light, but both obviously work. So t- describe to everybody your method for planting your typical bird. So I hold the bird by the feet. Uh I'll put my my index finger in between my in between the bird's feet, and then I'll kind of hold together with my middle finger and thumb on the outside of the bird's feet, yep. and I just hold them upside down, and I'll just like run them up and down. You know, maybe bring rock them, them. yeah, up in front of me, like eye level, and then down to the ground on my side. I'll go up and down like that five to ten times, depending on the bird. If it's really flapping like crazy. I do. And when I do that, I'm not doing it violently. Like it's very gently because I don't, again, I don't want to plant it too heavy. So I do it very lightly and then I hold it next to my side. And if it's still flapping, I do it a couple more times (laughs) and then I hold it next to my side and I do that until it's calmed down. And then I just drop it lightly into the grass. I'll actually, 
move I'll make a little hole in the grass sometimes yeah. with my boot and drop it into that hole so that it has like a nice little I, I kind of build a little nest for him. <laughs> <laughs> you rock them to sleep and put them to bed. That's right, buddy. Yeah. So, Gotta take care of the birds. Yeah. So and then obviously you're just dropping it and so and then you're on to the next bird. And so with mine, I'm when I plant mine light, I get the whole bird in my head hand not my head but in my hand (laughs) and uh around the entire outside of the body and i kind of just extend their legs with my pinky to where they're fully extended and then i just kind of twirl them to where you see their head going in a circle and like you said it doesn't take five or ten times and i tell everybody the way you can look at it and tell is you're twirling 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 you stop and you kind of see that bird's head doing the little drunken days stumble just like oh where am i and then you kind of just aim at a good piece of objective, tall tall grass, whatever you're planting in, and you just aim at the bottom of that, and they hit the ground, and you walk away. So you kind of sidearm throw them in there? Yeah, I tell everybody, like, look at it as kind of like skipping rocks across a pond, but you're not chunking them. Like, you're not throwing a fastball. You're not a submarine pitcher or anything. You just kind of just gently just toss them down, but you angle it towards the ground. If you don't angle it towards the ground, you know, a lot of the times they'll actually catch their wings in midair and glide off. So you kind of just angle it towards the ground and keep on walking and you'll see they'll hit the ground and their head will pop back up and they're trying to look around, but they still kind of have that drunken man gaze. Just like, uh. <laughs> yeah. So you and I plant birds to, completely different ways but the end result is the same Same. yep you know they're lightly planted birds it's not like when we're training together i'm like oh man nick planted that bird it's horrible or something you know you can't tell the difference a new method i learned recently training with barbara uh, my flesh and dog friend i've been shooting birds for her and planting birds and we've been training together some and to plant for a flusher it's got to really be planted light because mm-hmm. the dog's going in for it. And sure, they still catch some birds every once in a while, but they really have to be planted light. So I was interested to learn her method, and she'll just hold the bird by the feet, hold it next to her side when she's about 20 yards away from where she's going to plant the bird. And when she gets there, she tucks the bird under, tucks the head under the wing and pulls its feet out like very gently, and, and she holds it very gently too. Make sure the bird is relaxed and then throws it into the grass. That's it. That's it. Like no waving, no, swinging, no waving, no, no dizzying. Twirling. And she said that when you're holding it by its feet, as you walk up, all the blood's rushing to its head. Yeah. And then when you tuck its head under there, I guess it's feeling like, Oh, it's dark in here, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And then by pulling its feet out, I guess it just makes them relax or maybe does something else with blood flow. I don't know, but it works. I thought, for sure, these birds are just going to, like, fly away. And they didn't, man. They mm. they just go right into the grass and hang out. I've, matter of fact, I've never had a bird fly away training with her. Wow. And, I mean, I've probably planted 30 or 40 birds with her. Mm. And, I mean, I don't know about Barbara's method, but your method, my method, you can do that from a four-wheeler, too. Yeah, You know, yep. if, you, if you're planting birds in a quicker sequence, maybe at a training day, trying to get in there, get out, you know, it's, it'll work from a four wheeler as well. Uh, I've actually done that from a four wheeler. If I'm by myself and I don't, I don't have 
you know, I'm trying not to leave my own foot scent in there. I mean, sure, there's still the scent of the four-wheeler <laughs> and there's my scent on the bird, but I wear gloves. Um, that's yeah, a good, that's a good kinda, thing to hit on while you're planting birds. Yeah. It's, we, if you have a helper, always have somebody else plant your birds because, like Adam just said, you leave foot scent and you, when you're around this enough, and you'll see a dog that just follows their owner's foot scent. Yep. I mean, it they does, just cheat their way right to they the just bird. Cheat, and they, and I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, same thing. They'll learn to do that with the four-wheeler as well. But then also you want to minimize scent as much as possible. These dogs' noses are crazy. You're not going to eliminate all the scent. It doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, leave your gloves in a bag full of birds. And then, you know, the gloves smell more like birds. Or rub your launchers down with alcohol. Uh, your scent is sure. going to be on this stuff and yeah minimize it as much as possible but uh i leave a set of leather gloves in my truck you know my yeah. drawers and i put the gloves on and plant birds uh keeps me from getting scratched up by the birds and <laughs> keeps my scent off of them too so yep and when you're dealing with some some of these birds they're just nasty, nasty little yeah. creatures yeah so that especially was, ducks yeah that was good to touch on uh but with planting on the four-wheeler, uh, you know, I basically do the same thing. I hold the bird yeah. and give it a couple flops as I'm cruising up to where I'm going to plant. And, just, and I'll even just do a drive-by, not even stop, and just, like, toss it right into yeah. the weeds and keep on going. Keep on rolling. And then, conversely, all the methods that we just talked about when you're dizzying, swinging, rocking, whatever you want to call it, if you want to put it down hard, you do it maybe a little bit longer, really dizzy them up, and then tuck their head under their wings, and you'll see it to where the bird does not move at all. And then you go put it under some grass or some objective on its back, and the head stays tucked under its wing. Like we said, there's you know there might be a couple special scenarios that maybe that's called for. But when you're when you're just doing a normal training session, I don't like it, especially if there's any dew or moisture on, on the ground, because then their back feathers and wing feathers are going to get wet. And not only are they not flying as well because they've just been knocked out for a little while, but also because their feathers are wet then. So we got to talk about the species of birds as well and the health of these birds. So. We'd be wrong to say you plant all birds this one way. You know, yeah. if I'm planting quail, there's not as much uh, flopping back and forth and, and dizzying. Soft, soft per se. birds, man. Yep. Uh, really what you and I have been referencing is chucker. Mm -hmm. um, because we try to chain, train with chucker as much as we can because they generally fly better than yeah. quail. And the reason that they'll fly better, you get yourself in trouble when you go to find go to get pick up some birds and you say are they good flyers and a guy <laughs> points over to the pen and says you see them all flying around or yep. grabs a bird and throws it and it flies well the bird's not wet yep with quail pen raised quail do not produce the oils on their feathers to repel the water wild quail do so you know wild quail if it's wet they're still going to fly pen raised quail will not unless the person has a watering system and i've i've bought some quail before from a guy in north carolina that had a watering system he kept his quail in an old turkey barn so they had plenty of room to fly he had it dark in there and he didn't let any people in there he didn't want any human interaction with the birds pretty much he wanted them to be scared of humans 
<laughs> and then once a day he would go out and it's like the the grocery store like vegetable misters pretty much. <laughs> he had this system to where Just it didn't matter them. where the quail went in that barn, they'd get wet. And they'd start the theory is that they start producing those oils. And that that dude had some really good flying quail, but they get misted every day. They yeah. don't get soaked. So if you go out, even if it's not raining, there's still dew on the grass in the morning. You drop a quail into a bunch of wet grass, the quail's wet, and then it doesn't fly. So that's where that's, my little nest building thing, yeah. I try to keep it to where I can drop the bird in there and it's not going to get wet, <laughs> especially for quail. And that that's something that you really need to think about, especially you know maybe down in the south or across the whole country in the middle of summer when it's so hot, you're trying to... You're trying to get your training in early. And so you're out there bright and early as That's soon as right. the sun comes up and there's dew on the ground or maybe some fog or something. So you do, do need to keep that in mind when you're planning. And uh, so let's talk real quick. So we kind of covered quail and chucker. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to hit the other. Pheasant. Sp- yeah. So <laughs> hit up. we've had some. We had That's a, really a learning good. curve because, I mean, it's kind of the same process, but you just have to do it longer and harder. Well, it's been a few months ago where the only birds we, <laughs> we could, could get find were pheasants. pheasants. And I think we talked about it on another episode. We actually found some good training value in using pheasants because yeah, they ran. They get up, they run around, they pop up, and it's this huge bird. So if you're working on steadiness, it's great. Yeah. If you're doing bird intro, don't get a pheasant, <laughs> you know, go get a little quail, but really good for steadiness. Um, yeah. So it is very similar to, to the way we plant chucker, but talk through how you plant a pheasant. It's a little more elaborate, I think. So I pretty much do it the same way, but obviously you're dealing with a lot bigger bird. I mean, you're dealing with a football instead of a baseball or softball. And so what I did was I kind of kept the same method, but in, instead of just twirling around with one hand, I'd actually flip them up on their back and then twirl their head around till they got that drunken man gaze. And then I would pitch them in underneath the stuff. I tell you what, it's funny to watch from the parking lot <laughs> when you went out to plant pheasants. Jackie's like, what's he doing to that bird? So he's putting it to sleep. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, but I found that... Uh, that just same method, hold hold my feet, hold their feet between my fingers and, and give them some flaps up and down. It works. You just have to do it like twice as hard as what you do with a chucker. Longer and harder. And do like 20 times yep. and then drop it in there and <laughs> it's still going to run. So let's talk about the benefits of using devices to plant your birds. And what I mean by that, your kick traps your launchers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a perfect perfect transition to launchers because the one one of the bird species we didn't hit were pigeons. Oh yeah. In my opinion, you really can't plant pigeons. You could lock their wings. I know, I know but some people do, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I haven't seen good results from no. it. They either they're they're pretty hardy birds and so it's hard to plant light. You can put them to sleep like other birds, but then you, you're <laughs> right. getting the drawbacks of like we were talking about. Then um, they don't want to fly. Yeah. Yeah. You have to dizzy them so much that they they don't want to fly. And if you try to plant them light, they're just gonna fly away as soon as they hit the grass. So a lot of people with pigeons use kick traps. Yep. And or launchers. So kick traps are pretty simple. It's just a little metal basket that uh you, you literally put the bird inside the basket. The basket's 
face down. So the bird is in a basket on the ground. And most of them have a little little kickstand coming out so that when you go to kick uh, flush the bird, you just hit that little uh, pedal and it knocks up the basket and the bird flies off. Yeah, it's just a little knob yeah. sticking up on the end. And when you step on it, it lifts the front of the trap off the ground. You can even use a milk crate and yep. just put a milk crate over top of the bird and then literally knock, like kick yep. the milk crate out of the way to let the bird fly away. So let's talk about launchers real quick because to me, both of them kind of have very similar pros and cons to this. Obviously, the, the main difference being that launchers usually have remotes. There are pull string launchers, but most of the launchers that most people use have remote so obviously you can do that from a distance which depending on what you're working with it it provides a very good tool based on what you're working with especially on steadiness and and maybe i know the steady with style guys they they really launch the birds early as soon as the dog catches wind there's a million different reasons why you may want a launcher but let's talk about using a launcher to plant and then we'll get into the pros and cons of both the basket and the launchers yeah, the the pro, the main pro that I, that comes to mind first is well, no, no, no. You're talking how to use a launcher. No, how to use, and then we'll get into that. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So don't the get ahead of yourself, the uh, <laughs> I'm excited, man. <laughs> um, so how to use it? It's a it's a flat. It's got an area that you put the bird in, and it's flat on top, and then it kind of folds in on itself and has a spot that'll have the bird trapped in there. And when you press the button or pull the string, it's spring-loaded, and it launches Launches the bird into the air, and then the bird, its instinct is to fly as well. I mean, I've I've seen birds get launched and then just flop right back down if they're not good birds. Um, I don't ever launch mine empty. I'll put weight in it, like the same concept as dry firing a bow. Yeah. I just don't do it, but I've seen people launch them empty when they're testing them and stuff. I'll put a bumper or something in there just so it has weight. You can adjust the springs on, you know, how hard it's launching. I've never messed with that part of it, but, uh, the one I have, you can, you can run five or six different launchers off of one remote. Um, and I just have one launcher, you know, we'll go out and we'll use my launcher and norms launchers. And we end up carrying two remotes, uh, (laughs) until I can save up and get a second launcher one day. Yeah. And so, just like you were talking about different bird species and planting, uh, different species usually do better in launchers than others. You know, this is the one that, you know, what pigeons probably are first thought of when using launchers. I think they're they, the best they, they do great out of launchers. So, a lot of people will tell you chuck or suck out of launchers. I find it to be, it depends on the quality of birds. I think that's what it comes we, down to. Yeah. Same, same quality thing of with, birds. Same thing with quill, uh, quill and chucker. It's this quality of birds. I've seen both work great and I've seen both just be horrible. I've yet to see a pheasant do well out of a launcher though. <laughs> so if your chucker aren't doing good out of a launcher, they probably wouldn't do good planet either. They're probably just not hard flying chucker. Yeah. Uh, and it could be because they're young or they're not healthy. Whatever the case is, they're just, they're not good. Maybe find a different bird supplier. <laughs> a benefit to putting them, uh, using launchers with quail is you can keep the quail dry. Yeah. Uh, that's a big benefit there. And so there you go. You just gave one pro to the launcher. So pros and cons 
to launchers. Obviously, I just I just said it a minute ago. Is you can re- you have control over when you release the bird. If you're working on making that do- dog respect the bird, an established point earlier on, as soon as they smell the bird, you can launch it, and the bird starts teaching the dog. Um, so it just gives you more control on when and how the bird flushes ultimately. And, and that's really the biggest pro of a launcher. There's other pros such as keeping the birds dry and stuff like that. And then heck, a lot of these launchers have that little beeper, uh, thing. How many times have you been out in the field where somebody really, it just poor scenting conditions. The dog's not finding the bird. So yeah. somebody's like, Hey, where'd you plant this bird? I, I don't remember. Well, a lot of launchers that just have that beep and oh okay over yeah there. you press the remote and it makes the launcher yeah. beep and you can kind of key in on it because sometimes uh like where we train at norms the wind swirls a lot yeah it's really hot Down in the summer in the sometimes the only time we can get there is the middle of the day it's really hot everything's green and the dogs will have a hard time finding the birds so i always make fun of people and they're like where'd you plant the birds i'm like use your dog and figure it out but <laughs> After a while, when you're like, all right, my dog's getting worn out. I need to just get him a bird contact and get through the training sequence I'm trying to do. Um, Sometimes it's nice. The the biggest pro in my mind for a launcher is that everything we do with pen raise birds, we're trying to simulate a wild bird. So Mm -hmm. it gives us the ability, if we can see that the dog is getting too close or the dog's getting ready to charge in and flush rather than point, we can launch the bird and make it fly away. So like you're talking about steady with style, you know, if, if I see the dog getting birdie and it's close enough, but it keeps working closer and closer and closer as a handler trainer, if I'm going, you know what, if that was a wild bird, it would have flown, flown away yep. by now. Then you press the button, you make the bird fly away. Absolutely. And so that, that's the biggest pro of a launcher. The, the con is ultimately, I just, I use launchers for the very reasons we just said. It's great in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you're adding a mechanical device to your training scenario. With that comes potential letdowns and issues with it, and it never fails. Well, always fails. Yeah, (laughs) that's what you don't like. (laughs) Yeah, and so it just if you go put three launchers out there. With my luck so far, is even when we check batteries and test them beforehand. One, one's battery is going to go out or for whatever reason, the remote is not synced up with the launcher by the time that you need to actually use it, whether as a fault of whoever armed at that time or something, maybe they accidentally hit the button and it just doesn't, it's not synced with the remote. You, you have a much higher probability of something going wrong by adding a mechanical device to your training scenario. And so in a perfect world, I would never have to work on any of the things that the launcher really helps out with, and I would never need a launcher. But yeah. there are some things that you just really need a launcher for. Uh, I've seen people press the wrong button. Yeah, You know, if you got two launchers out there, mm-hmm. this one's number <laughs> one, that one's number two. Mm-hmm. And they go, they go to press it, and it yep. a bird hundred yards behind you goes flying in the air, and you're like, "Crap!" There went ten bucks. Uh, another con. This really an and a missed training opportunity. This this really isn't a con. It's just kind of a, a precaution. I advise people, especially when they're very early on in a puppy, 
maybe, you know, the first few bird intros, I advise people do not use a launcher because it has the opportunity or chance. I'm not going to say that it will. Some dogs are bulletproof, but it's it's kind of like gun intro. You're you're asking the dog who's not familiar with a bird to go out there and you have this mechanical device just popping a bird up in their face. And somebody will say, "Well, you 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 released it too late. You're dealing with a puppy. Maybe they didn't catch scent until they're right on top of it. Maybe scenting conditions are hard. Yeah, you can't control the you, wind. You can't control the wind. And so I just advise everybody to to really baby step it up with launchers. Don't go heavy on launchers right from the beginning because you've been told, like Adam said at the start of all this, never let your dog catch a bird. You need to make sure it flies, so use a launcher. Just... B- Go slow with the launcher. Introduce it and sl- slow step it on up. Yep. And uh, a way to do that for starters is put the launcher in the yard where the dog, you know, goes out into the yard and is around the launcher, even without birds in it, where it can just smell it and be used to it. And it's not the first time the dog sees the launcher is not when it's out there in the field with a bird in it. Let it get used to it. Maybe even launch a couple bumpers out of it just yeah. for fun. Um, but yeah, baby steps. Yeah, baby steps, just like everything else. So the kick traps, real quick, give pros, cons over kick traps. Kind of similar to launchers, just not remote. Yeah, I mean, you you, you have to walk in and, and actually kick it, you know, or step on it or whatever, make it hinge up. I haven't used them much. Yeah. I would rather the bird get launched into the air rather yeah. i mean the the pro is that it keeps the bird there you know it's not going to fly away or run away there you go the the con is i i've got to go in and go get the bird to flush yeah so pretty simple though i mean they're cheap that's uh, another pro form. that's what i was about to say biggest pro is they're cheap and uh but yeah they they have its use and again i think pigeons do the best out of kick traps out of all of them uh but so that's that's really it. Uh, yeah, they're pretty simple. The the other part of launchers I'd like to talk about real quick is the remote launchers. And you hinted at it earlier with the some of them have a rope that you can pull. So if you guys are getting into launchers and you're and you hear this and you're like, all right, I'm going to go buy some launchers. Mm-hmm. Your first instinct is probably to get the thirty dollar pull string launcher. <laughs> you're going to see one for two hundred dollars that has a remote, and you're like, well, I got to walk up there anyways and flush it. Yeah. And the one that has the strings, you're like, I'll just get the $30 one with the string. Well, it takes away what I consider the, the biggest, biggest pro. pro is to be able to launch that bird when I say, if that was a wild bird, it would have flown away by now. Launch. Yep. I can't do that anymore. Or if my dog is like, I'm not going to point today. I'm going to take this thing out. <laughs> now it becomes dangerous and can yep. cause you all sorts of problems. Because instead of pressing the button and having a high probability of it going off like it's supposed to, now the dog is going to like attack a launcher yep. and it's going to pop the dog right in the face and could make it now scared of birds because it got popped in the face and it could even injure your dog. So I would totally stay away from the rope pulling launcher yep. thingies. And we've seen some dogs, It's whether it's out of fear for the scenario that you just gave or... They just kind of wise up to to launchers. They become launcher knowledgeable. Like they, oh, they yeah. really know to look for it, especially if you use those little clips or flags up <laughs> in there to show you where the launcher's at. You know, we've seen dogs zero in 
on a little ribbon that people put up in you know on the grass or tree limb or something to right. say that hey there's a launcher over here so just just be aware of that uh not not exactly common but do dogs do learn what a launcher is and kick baskets i've seen some dogs that they won't crash a bird if it's just planted but if it's used to kick traps and they know that a kick tra- the bird's in a kick trap, it'll yeah. just go knock the crap out of the kick Man, trap. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of like when you buy an e-collar. Most people, the first e-collar they buy, yep. they're like, oh, this $50 one will do. Save yourself the money. And the headache. And get the good one. Don't yeah. buy the cheapest thing. And that applies to most things in life. I mean, I wish I could <laughs> afford everything that I thought was good quality, but... If you buy it right the first time, you end up saving money later. There you go. So we plant birds to flush birds. So there's a few things to keep in mind when you flush birds, okay? And people think, well, I'll just walk up there and kick birds. But I tell you what, you go to enough training days and you help enough people, you will be shocked at some of the stuff that you've seen. Yep. No lie, I've seen a guy that... He shows up to to training day one day, and I'm not going to give any names or anything, but if he hears this, he's going to know it's him because it, I could not stop myself from laughing very hard. And by the end of it, he was laughing at himself just because it's just, do? man, so before we go out, like, what are you working on? And he was like, oh, I'm working on dogs letting me flush and, you know, staying steady for me to flush. I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. And uh, he's like, yeah, we've been working on it at home and, and okay, great, let's do it. We go plant birds and we go up there and his dog slams a point. And I'm like, there you go. And he's like, he's like, all right, what do I do? I'm like, go flush your bird. Yeah. And he walked up right next to the dog, even with it. The dog's still on point. The dude leaped into the air and did a full knee tuck into his chest and then slammed his feet down on the ground right next to the dog. Did the bird fly? No. And, <laughs> and like, you know, we've seen a lot of stuff to where I can, I can take a lot of just like, what the heck was that without being just blatantly just start laughing. I lost it. Like I've never seen a girl. Yeah, man. Have to. Just, it, it's just, I just started laughing. I'm like, what was that? He's like, well, that's how I flush birds. <laughs> and I'm like, not working. And I just started laughing. I'm like, did something, did you just come up with that or did somebody actually like teach you that YouTube and nah, he just said, he was like, nah, I just, I figured like if I jump high enough and loud enough that it'll scare the bird up. And I'm like, all right, man. And like to to his credit, he took it in good sport. But I mean, I think that's the only time I've been in the field to where like, I just could not stop myself from laughing at what somebody (laughs) did to where it just dude, he had, he'd been doing some box jumps at the house or something because he got some air, (laughs) but, and the dog just, when he landed on the ground, the dog just like leaped back (laughs) three feet. It's like, what's going on? And he was considering that as the dog breaking on the flush and i'm like nah the dog you just scared the crap out of your dog is what you did yeah and so i had to walk them through like how how to flush but that, that's what i mean obviously like that scenario isn't the, the most common but some people think that just as soon as the dog goes on point you're walking up and just kicking the bird and there there's a few things that can make your life a little bit easier when you're flushing birds right and so i was taught on wild birds especially you you circle real wide 
and then you start flushing back towards the dog. So you're kind of, you know, you, you have the bird monkey in the middle type scenario and it's kind of pinning the bird down to where the chances of them running off are less. And it's called pinning the bird and they should in theory take flight quicker and better to where they're actually flying harder. I use that in the training field a little bit, but I really do that when I'm wild bird hunting and it does seem to work. Mm -hmm. But the issue is, especially in the grouse woods, it can be thick cover. It's hard to get out front and I'm not going to lie. So Jeremiah was the first one that kind of taught me that when I first got Rachel, (laughs) we went in the grouse woods and the first, first just true Rachel just nailed a point on a grouse. She hit it and I'm like, all right. And I start walking and I get about, 25 30 yards in front of her i'm like ah surely i've passed the bird by now and i start circling back and as soon as i make that turn (sighs) right under my feet and it like it just startled me because i was assuming that the bird was between me and her but it just came out from right underneath me and like it was one of those i still have nightmares over it because (laughs) it was such an easy shot i could have hip hip shot that bird like it was just no trees in the way just straight flyer like all i had to do was just pull the trigger but i was so startled because i was expecting it to be you know 10 yards to my right Right. (laughs) it came up from underneath me uh so you if you do that you definitely need to make sure you walk far enough to be on the other side of the bird yeah and that before you start coming back and there's there's a lot of details in that that are hard to sort out i mean you're not always going to walk out in front of every bird yeah. and cut it off i mean a, a running pheasant oh god you know got to depend on the dog to to track. point then track then point then track and and do that dance and grouse yeah. the same way and then i mean grouse are probably even worse about they're not worse about running but they're worse about running to the side of a hill and then flying away <laughs> and disappearing over the hill yep. So, but that's what I, that's what I do on wild birds. But in the training field, what I, I like to do, especially is if you if you're working on on uh, steadiness type work, I like to take the the competitive competitiveness out of the dog on the flush sequence. I want them to see everything that's going on, but they're not competing with you to get the bird. So a lot of people, when a dog goes on point, they do want to walk up from behind the dog and go to the side of it and go straight to the bird. Well, you're, you're kind of taking that dog's natural instinct to get to that bird first. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of competing. You're, you're competing with that dog. And so what I like to do is come from a 90 degree angle. So I come from the left or right depending on which way I want to flush the bird and I already have my gunner set up. And then that way you're coming from the side and you can kick that bird either left or right. And the dog sees the entire sequence happen. And especially if you're, you're doing steadiness, you know, through the, through the shot and to release and all that, you have a good peripheral vision of your dog. And it has a good peripheral vision of you. Exactly. And they don't have to relocate. Yep. They don't have to relocate to see the bird flying away or anything. It's just, it's all right there. And so it really makes your life easier. And then over time, you know, you can start fine tuning it and, and walking beside them and everything. But I find that just that one little trick goes a long way, especially with those amped up high drive dogs that maybe as soon as you get up right next to them, they want to start cheating and going with you or get to the bird before you. 
Yeah. You had to remind me of that a few months ago and it's something that I knew and it's, but that's the importance of having a good training partner. You're like, Hey, if you come out to the side rather than up parallel with your dog, you know, it'll be steadier for you. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And sure enough, next Done. sequence, yeah. no problem. Made a huge difference. And you have the ability on the, on the test and utility says to, to determine how you flush that bird. And so you can do that on the test. And so that's just another way while you're testing, it's a good thing to keep in mind that you're making everything and, and assuming that the bird doesn't just do one of those crazy flushes that sometimes birds do, but you're setting yourself up to where your dog sees the entire full picture without having to relocate to try and get a good mark on the bird flying away around you which is what's going to happen if you're flushing directly in front of them but if you flush it to the left or right then the dog sees everything and they don't have to relocate that's right so we're kind of talking about the approach to the bird once you get to the bird nick talk us through how you actually put the bird into the air so most times in the training field you're you're gonna see the bird uh and with that i just i'm trying to visualize which way I want the the bird to fly in theory they're they're animals that you know sometimes yeah. they're going to do what they're going to do but you want to again try and set it up for success and you need to take into consideration where where's the people in the gallery they shouldn't be standing in front of you or to your left but maybe they are you know safety's first safety's king look look and see where you know the parking lot is houses whatever just be smart of where you're trying to flush the bird and where people are going to shoot and you know once you see where the bird is i set my gunners up based on where i'm trying to flush the bird and if i'm going to you know to the left okay one gunner go to my right one gunner on the left do not get in between me and my dog and I'm doing this for the clearest flushing picture as possible. And so then once I have that set up, I literally just kind of put my foot. I don't stomp or anything like that, but I just kind of kick near the bird. And most times they'll just flush out that, that way. Yep. Sometimes depending on the birds, they want to take off running or something. You might need to, you know, kind of put your foot underneath the bird and just kind of launch it with your foot, not kick it. <laughs> but just just fling it up in there with your foot. It depends on how, how good a quality birds they are, yep. how hard they were put down. I mean, we've seen it to where the birds are still knocked out of sleep if somebody put them down too yeah. hard. And then you really have to just kind of nudge them and say, hey, buddy, time to wake up. Yep. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'll actually put my toe, if the bird lets me get close enough to it, I'll put my toe under the bird and just lift off. but i've seen people just swat the grass around the bird and sometimes that'll make them fly but sometimes you can literally watch the bird duck its head lower and think that staying there is going to be safe i mean that's their instinct so um box jumps don't work either apparently yeah box jumps (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah, put a toe under them lift them in the air swat at the grass if you want but i like to put a toe and lift yeah absolutely and so you know, just think about that full sequence of the flush, even on wild birds. What's going to give you the best shot opportunity is, is maybe my to the right clear. Is it worth kind of going through some thick cover and coming around and trying to flush to the right? Because you actually have a clear sight picture, you know, 
think about it more than just my dog's on point. I'm going to walk up and kick a bird. Yeah, and which way you come in on a wild bird, like I'm thinking grouse specifically, could encourage the bird to run more depending yep. on what angle you come from and what the habitat is and well, and you, and, you, and you hear all the time with people that hunt with two dogs, they know that they have a great teamwork when the dogs naturally learn. He goes on point, and not only are, is the other dog honoring that dog's point, but they actually circle around the other side, and they yeah. pin that bird. And so you can do that with just one dog by flushing the way that I was describing that I was taught early on. And and it does work, but clearly don't it's be harder like, as a human because we can't run as fast as a dog. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it, in theory, your dog's on point that birds hopefully not running away, but right. You know, it, it's just one of those things. It warrants more thought than what the average person probably gives it. Yep. That they think that my dog's on point. I just walk yeah, in and I'm just going to go get the bird into the air. Yeah. That's ultimately what you're trying to do, but you can really set yourself up for success or higher odds of success just by giving it just, just a quick thought. And what, what, what are you actually going to do? What's the plan yep, here? Exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else? Um, I know one thing we didn't touch on. All right. Planning, uh, scent conditions, wind, greened up, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. We can touch on that real quick because that is very important. Yeah, so real quick, you know, if it's if it's hot and there's not a lot of wind, I try not to put the bird into a big, heavy pile of green, green stuff. Yep. You know, I, I mean, I guess to get into the science of it, that's like the chlorophyll is like, literally how wild birds mask their their scent of a uh especially for their young you know they get them into heavy green stuff so that yeah. predators can't smell them so if you're trying to make the scenting conditions easier for your dog put it in dead stuff not green stuff especially if it's hot this time of year everything's green for yeah. us so it's a matter of am I putting it in really thin cover or really thick cover? So and that's just it. If you don't have anything dead, look for something thin to where maybe the breeze or wind can actually get through and kick that scent out to the dogs. So they're not just pointing, you know, right on top of them. Yep. And because I mean that that presents a whole new set of challenges, yep. especially if you're working on steadiness with dogs. But that's another thing is the wind. That's that's very big on knowing how to plant your birds and everything like that and how you really want to work your dogs. And if you're using launchers, you need to know how that wind is blowing. If your whole goal is as soon as they catch wind, you're launching that bird. You don't just go put it out there and you're coming up from the wrong side and wonder why your dog literally just ran over the trap. Right. Yeah, you've got to realize if if the wind has changed and your dog's running with the wind, mm-hmm. my dog's going to run this bird over. Ho- hopefully it gets past it, gets into the wind, and then does a, a quick backflip and goes on point. We've, <laughs> we've seen that a few times. Yep. That's always fun to watch. But you just have to consider the wind. Where is it going to put my dog when it does establish point? What's the cover like? Yep. You know, the greener and the thicker, the harder it is to, the harder it is to smell which can be a good challenge for a dog, but know your dog's capabilities and then put the birds out there according to that. Yep. 
So I think that's pretty much it. There's two quick notes because we've touched on them in the past, but worth mentioning because of the episode topic here. Uh, don't plant your birds in the same exact place in the same mm-hmm. exact field every time you go out yep. and change up the number of birds. Yeah, absolutely. Dogs will learn to count to count to three <laughs> and then uh, go back to the truck. Yep, And <laughs> dogs will learn to do something the right way and or the wrong way. Right. In one field, if you just do it in one location, change up the locations, change up the numbers, change up the birds, keep them it's guessing. The same field, you know, start from a different point rather yeah. than the same point all the time. Absolutely. And that's something you and I have to get better. It's it's easier at norms to start from the same spot all the time, yep. plant the main field, but I've been making it a habit to plant in the other fields and mm-hmm. try to start from different spots. So Yeah. Yep. Well, anything else that we uh, we didn't touch on? That's it, man. All right. What's another one in the books? Yep. Hope somebody got something out of us. If anything else, don't box jump your birds. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> See you all next week. All right. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.